0: Good evening and welcome to the Champaign City Council meeting for April 20th, 2021. I call this meeting to order. I invite you to join me for a moment of silence followed
1: by the pledge.
0: I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Will the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember
2: Stock? Here. Beck? Here. Ricks? Here. Bruno?
3: Here.
2: Foreman? Gladney? Present. Tiles? Here. P and Fetty? Here. Mayor Finan?
0: I am also here. Um, As I understand it, we have some special recognition. We are going to have the police officer uh, oaths of office. So Brian, if you could take it away.
4: So, I'd like to introduce Austin Hamlin. Austin's hometown is Leroy, Illinois. He attended Leroy High School and then Austin worked at Isotec Laboratories in Champaign. And there he traveled to other countries and set up and repaired laboratory equipment. And Austin later graduated a criminal justice degree from Illinois State University in 2019. And he, Austin also completed an internship at the Champaign Police Department in the spring of 2019.
0: Great. Well, Austin, I get to provide you with your oath. So I'm going to ask you to please raise your right hand and go ahead and read your oath.
5: I, Austin Hamblin, having been appointed to the office of police officer in the city of Champaign, in the county of Champaign, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Illinois, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the Office of Police Officer to the best of my ability.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. you. I would normally shake your hand, but I won't today. I'm going to give you your oath, and I think we're going to, besides clapping.
4: (laughs) So I'd like to introduce... Hunter Harrison, Hunter's hometown is Armstrong, Illinois, and he attended the Armstrong, Illinois Township High School. Hunter later graduated with a degree in political science from Illinois State University. And Hunter also worked as one of our police service representatives at the Champaign Police Department, and now is being hired as an officer. He also worked at the McLean County Sheriff's Department as a correctional officer.
0: Welcome, Hunter, and thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to read your oath.
6: I, Hunter Harrison, having been appointed to the Office of Police Officer in the City of Champaign and the County of Champaign, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Illinois, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the Office of Police Officer to the best of my ability.
0: Congratulations.
4: Congratulations, sir. So I'd like to introduce Jeffrey Lee. His hometown is Mundelein, Illinois, and he graduated from Mundelein High School. Later graduated with a degree in information systems and information technology from the University of Illinois. Uh, Jeffrey worked at Engineering IT Shared Services, Northwestern Mutual, and Amazon in the CU area.
0: Welcome, Jeffrey, and thank you so much for your service. I'm going to ask you to read your oath. Raise your right hand.
3: I, Jeffrey Lee, having been appointed to this Office of Police Officer in the city of Champaign and the county of Champaign, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Illinois, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the Office of Police Officer to the best of my ability. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jeffrey.
4: So I'd like to introduce Blake Wheeling. Blake's hometown was Beecher, Illinois, where he attended Beecher High School. He graduated with a general studies associate's degree from Prairie State College and graduated from the Prairie State College Fire Academy. Blake worked as a firefighter for the Beecher Fire Protection District and for the Washington Township Road Department.
0: Welcome to Champaign. Please raise your right hand and state
7: your oath. I, Blake Whaling, have been appointed to the office of police officer in the city of Champaign and in the county of Champaign. Do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Illinois, and that I will faithfully discharge the duties of officer of police officer to the best of my abilities. Congratulations and Congratulations.
0: thank you. Here's your. Congratulations to all of our new officers. We look forward to your service. And next we've got the approval of minutes.
6: Um, Fred, do I need to do these in three separate motions for the closed session minutes? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bearing that in mind, uh, I move to approve all closed session minutes dated between and including July 21st, 2020 and December 8th, 2020 referred to on the attached list labeled list B.
3: Second.
0: Is there any discussion? Seeing none, will the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember member Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks. Yes.
2: Bruno? Yes. Foreman, no. Nope. Yes. Oh, yes. Gladney. Yes. Kyle's.
3: Yes.
0: Ian Fetty. Yes. Mayor Finan. Yes, that is approved nine to zero. Greg Stock.
6: Uh, Madam Mayor, I move to release the closed session minutes or portions of minutes dated between May 19th, 2015 and June 23rd, 2020. Referred to on the attached list labeled list C with a recommendation of release or partial
3: release. Second.
0: Is there any discussion? Seeing none, please call the roll. Councilmember Stock? Yes. Beck?
2: Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney?
3: Yes. Kyles? Yes.
0: Fianfetti? Yes. Mayor
6: Feinan.
0: Yes, they're approved nine to zero.
6: Madam Mayor, I hereby move to make a finding that the need for confidentiality still exists with, sorry, uh, respect to those closed minutes, closed session minutes on the list labeled list A and list B for minutes dated between and including September 10th, 2019 and December 8th, 2020. Or portions of those minutes with a recommendation of do not release.
3: Second.
0: Is there any discussion? Please call the roll. Councilmember Stock?
3: Yes.
2: Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman. Yes. Gladney? Yes. Hiles? Yes. Betty Yes.
0: Mayor Finan? Yes. Those are also approved.
6: Okay. Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the minutes of September 15th, 2020 post council study session.
3: Second. Is
0: there any discussion? Please call the roll. Council member Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brooks?
2: Yes. Rona. Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney?
5: Yes.
0: Kyles. Yes. In Fetty. Yes. Mayor Finan. Yes. Approved nine to zero. I think that is it for motions on the minutes. Do we have any correspondence? No. We have no public hearings. So please call the first council bill. Council bill number
2: 2021-046, a resolution approving the purchase of audit services FY 2020-21 through FY
0: 2024-25. So
3: moved. Second.
0: This council bill would approve a contract with the firm of Louderback and Amen LLP to approve audit services to the city of Champaign, Champaign Public Library, Champaign Library Foundation, town of the city of Champaign, Champaign Firefighters Pension Fund, Metcad, and the new public safety records management system for fiscal years ending June 30th, 2021 through June 30th, 2025. Fees for all five years would be $299,250. Are there any technical questions? Seeing none, is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this issue? If so, please raise your hand in the Zoom to be recognized.
5: Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised.
0: Uh, are there any council comments? Clerk, please call the roll.
2: Council Member Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Borman? Yes. Gladney?
3: Yes. Kyles? Yes.
0: Bianfetti? Yes. Mayor
6: Finan?
3: Yes.
0: Council Bill passes nine to zero. Council Member Stock.
6: Madam Mayor, I move that we consolidate Council Bills 2021-47, 2021-48, 2021-49, and
3: 2021-50.
6: Second.
0: Is there any discussion on the consolidation motion? Will the clerk please call the roll on consolidation? Council Member Stock?
6: Yes.
2: Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles. Yes. Ian Fetty? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. The bills are consolidated. Please call all the bills. Council Bill number 2021-47, a resolution approving the FY 2021-2022 Annual Action Plan. Council Bill number 2021-048, an ordinance authorizing the seating of private activity bond authority. Council bill number 2021-049, an ordinance reallocating $3,227,730 of the city of Champaign, Illinois 2021 private activity bond allocation to the Illinois Housing Development Authority. Council bill number 2021-050, a resolution authorizing the city manager to execute an agreement with the town of Normal, period.
0: There are four council bills requested to be considered. The purpose of the first council bill is to approve the fiscal year 21-22 annual action plan and to authorize the city manager to submit the plan to the US department of housing and urban development. The purpose of the remaining three council bills is to authorize a city manager to approve seating the city's 21 private activity volume cap bond allocation of $9,683,190, equally to the Eastern Illinois Economic Development Authority Illinois housing development agency and to the town of normal for the use in the Illinois assist program are there any technical questions. Is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this issue, if so, please raise your hand in the zoom.
5: Madam Mayor I see no hands raised.
0: Any council members with comments. Seeing none will the clerk please call the roll. Council member Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Briggs?
2: Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles, Yes. Ian Fetty? Yes. Mayor Finan?
0: Yes. Council bills passed nine to zero. Please call the last bill.
2: Council bill number 2021-051, a resolution approving the preliminary and final
0: plat of the Ramshaw-Royce subdivision.
6: So moved. Second.
0: The purpose of this council bill is to approve a preliminary and final plat for the Ramshaw-Royce subdivision. The proposed preliminary and final plat will create two new lots at 2511 Springfield Avenue to accommodate a new contractor shop and office development. There is one proposed waiver with this proposed subdivision. Are there any technical questions? Seeing none, is there anyone in the audience who wishes to address this issue?
5: Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised.
0: Are there any council comments? Please call the roll. Councilmember Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brooks?
2: Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles, Yes. Ian Fetty? Yes. Mayor Finan?
0: Yes, council Bill passes nine to zero. We're now in the point of our meeting for audience participation on any matters. If anyone wishes to address the council, please raise your hand in the Zoom, state your name and city of residence and limit your comments to five minutes or less. I would note there will be an opportunity to to comment on the study session item after we begin that matter. And I would also note that our five minute time clock is not working tonight. So I will keep track of time and try to help people along.
5: Madam Mayor, I see no hands raised.
0: All right, is there any council comment? Council member Foreman?
8: Um, I just want to say I got an opportunity to meet Officer Blake Willing last night, and I want to play something for you um, as we're going into this lift conversation. I think it's important for council to, to hear. I hope you all slept well last night, but I want you to hear something that my family and all the families in Garden Hills woke up to last night. Hold on one second. This is what we heard last night in the middle of the night. This is how I met Officer Blake Willing. This is a constant theme. This was so loud that I thought somebody knocked on my door. I thought it was my house. It was eight showcases in front of my house. This is something that children and families are dealing with daily. I understand that it's not something that's impacted any of you, but I hope that you will take this seriously and understand that gunshots are being shot in our city nightly. If I'm hearing that, that was my camera. So what else is our community hearing? I need you guys to understand that this is a problem. It's ongoing and this is not once every couple weeks. This is daily. We had two shootings last night in Garden Hills. So please, as you're talking about the lift program, please remember that those gunshots were just heard around my house not more than 12 hours ago. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any other council members? Seeing none city manager, do you have any comments before we go into vouchers in our study session? I have nothing your honor. Okay, Deputy Mayor Bruno.
5: Madam Mayor, I move that we approve the vendor payments in the amount of $420,162.06. Second.
0: Is there any discussion? Will the clerk please call the roll? Council Member Stock?
6: Yes.
2: Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles? Yes. Fetty? Yes. Mayor Finan?
0: Yes. The vendor payments are approved and I think we are now in study session. Am I correct? Deputy Mayor Bruno, you don't have anything else?
5: Uh, I think we are now in study session.
0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Deputy City Manager Joan Walls regarding the LIFT program. Deputy City Manager, I can't hear you if you're talking. All right, testing.
5: Now we can hear you, Joan.
0: Okay, great.
9: Thank you. Um, Good evening, Mayor and Council. This evening, we're here to present the proposed lift champagne program, which is a partnership between the city and unit 4 school district. It's an important time for our community to be able to discuss a proposed program that is specifically designed to work with African American youth and their families who are in crises. These families are experiencing trauma every day, every hour, every minute. They encounter challenges in their homes, in the classrooms and in the community. Their lived experiences impact their basic standards of living and their quality of life. Over the years, we've listened to the youth and their families share stories and tell us what they need to be successful. We've heard stories We've heard their voices and we have listened. We developed a program that is bold, it's holistic, it's intentionally unconventional and culturally responsive. Next slide, please. Over the past two years, staff has worked to pull this program together. And I would like to take a moment to recognize program team from the city, Dorothy Ann David, our city manager, Joan Walls, Deputy City Manager, Tracy Parsons, Community Relations Manager and Compliance Officer, Rachel Joy, Community Relations Manager and Compliance Officer. From the school district, we have Dr. Susan Zola, our Superintendent, Angela Ward, Assistant Superintendent for Equity and Community Engagement, Orlando Thomas, Executive Director of School Supports and Choice, and Katina Wilcher, Director of Student, Family, and Community Engagement. I also want to thank all of you, Council, the Board of Education, the University of Illinois Chancellor's Office, Office of Public Engagement, the Center for Culturally Responsive Evaluation and Assessment, CREA, the youth and the families, the teachers, community members, partners, all who have played a very instrumental role in where we are today. This evening, I will be joined by Angela Ward, Rachel Joy and Dr. Rodney Hopson and Dr. Anthony Sellers and Orlando Thomas, who will assist in the presentation. Next slide, please. Before we jump into introducing the Lift Champagne program, um, I would like to provide some background information that is relevant to how we got here. The city and school district have a strong working relationship and we partnered on numerous initiatives. And although many of these efforts have been very positive, there's still plenty of work that needs to be done to address some of the most challenging societal issues impacting our youth and families. The commitment is evident by the city council goals and unit 4's 2020-2025 strategic plan, both which address supports and services for families, poverty, mental health, homelessness, quality of life, family and community engagement, educational access and achievement gaps. Next slide. So let's discuss the issue. Despite the positive results of past and current initiatives over the years, the city and school district continue to see an unprecedented number of African-American youth and their families struggling in the areas of academic achievement, discipline and suspensions, school absenteeism, community violence, mental health and trauma, which is outlined in the data section of the report to council. Due to ongoing significant challenge that youth and families were experiencing in summer of 2018, um, the city and school district, we reviewed feedback from stakeholder groups. We began exploring intensive support programming and strategizing around solutions that could be put in place to assist and support these families. The team worked together to design the community youth and family empowerment initiative which was to promote the positive development of African-American youth while providing support services geared to address trauma, academic achievement and behavioral issues. The initiative was designed to be a partnership, cultivating community collaborations and relationships with schools and churches, neighborhood businesses, community service agency, government officials, law enforcement and youth themselves. As you recall, an overview of this Initiative was presented to the city council on May 14th of 2019, and to the school board of education on June 10th of 2019. And both the city council and the school board directed staff to begin implementing, finalizing a program and an implementation plan for consideration in the spring of 2020. But unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and budgetary constraints, the program plans did not move forward. So staff resumed meeting at the end of 2020 and worked toward finalizing an innovative and culturally responsive crisis intervention program, utilizing theories and principles from Cure Violence and the Department of Health and Human Services' positive youth development approach. And that kind of sets the stage for where we are this evening. Next slide, please. The Lift Champagne Program, leading individuals and families to transformation. Lift. Lift is designed to help youth and families address and remove the institutional, systemic, and self imposed barriers between them and their success. This framework reflects on the challenges, the disappointments, and the frustration shared by many many African-American youth and their families over the years, as they've painfully endured their unfortunate circumstances that negatively impact their quality of life. Many of these families suffer, they feel forgotten, and they feel left behind. However, something unique, they never give up, and they remain hopeful that their dreams and aspirations can be reached. And it, was, it is with that backdrop that the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing, written as a poem by James Weldon Johnson, serves as the foundation for the Lift Champagne program. The poem addresses endurance and freedom, suffering and joy, and it celebrates the victory and the liberty of African American people. It also acknowledges their painful path and it discusses the way that they have struggled for their betterment Transcending all difficulties. So Lift Champagne will provide the opportunity for the entire community to work together to assist and support families while empowering them to transform from families that are hurting to families who are healing, who are moving forward with their lives, becoming healthy, resilient, and resourceful. Because as a community, we want youth and families to do more than survive. We want them to be elevated, safe, and we want them to thrive. Next slide, please. The intent of this program is to help youth transition into adulthood in an engaged and productive and healthy manner. The program is going to be a partnership between the city and unit four schools with unit four schools serving as the lead entity. It will serve youth in kindergarten through 12th grade and their families who are experiencing major barriers both in school and in their personal lives. The participants will be engaged through a development of care plan that will guide their intensive wraparound support services, mental health counseling, peer supports, and other activities. The mission statement for Lift Champagne is that we champion and empower the positive advancement of African-American youth and their families. And the vision statement is that we believe that a thriving community that positively transforms the future of African-American youth and their families. And at this time, I will now turn it over to Angela Ward, who will go deeper into the program itself.
10: Thank you, Joan. When you talk about youth in crisis, What we fail to realize is that anybody can be in crisis and it doesn't mean that you are subservient or that you don't have skills or something wonderful to offer our community. We've all been there before, or at least some of us. You think about lack of access to physical health, mental, behavioral health care, access to culturally relevant supports, emotional supports, a peer to talk to, access to homework help, tutoring, all those things we take for granted that we gain with this thing we call social capital. Well, we know historic and systemic racism and other things that marginalize our community renders a lot, a lot of us more vulnerable when life happens. So the thing about LIFT that's different is that it's culturally responsive. It's not a cookie cutter approach to how and what we need to be able to change our situations. It's highly collaborative where families are involved and students have a voice and a choice in, in telling entities what they need to be empowered. Is family focused, individualized? Is transformative? And more importantly, is data-driven? The other thing about LIFT is that it's trauma-informed. When we opened this conversation, we heard the sounds of those gunshots. We know that that has a psychological impact on many. We know that the things that we're witnessing in social media and other places has a psychological impact on some, even more than others who are directly impacted. So we're hoping that we're offering a unique solution that is also sustainable and relevant to the audiences that are intended. Next slide, please. The goals of LIFT is not about just Pulling someone up, as Joan said, it's about raising the expectations and raising our voice and using our stations and our position to, to bring attention to all of our youth and all of our community members who are unfortunately beneficiaries of systemic and historic pieces that render them vulnerable. So we want to lift our youth and families out of crisis. We want to lift academic achievement. We want to lift the futures through college and career pathways. Every student should have a pathway because they all have something great to offer. We just haven't asked them what it is. We like to see four to six year plans for all of our students that are coming through our community, not just those who have a tutor or parent who has navigated that system and know how to get them through. That's our job. And we want to lift hope and aspirations to save lives because no one should hear that gunfire and definitely no one should be on the other side of it. Next slide, please. The eligibility criteria to be a part of LIFT is families that meet three or more of the uh, four listed criteria on the screen, food insecurity, 10 or more discipline referrals, 10 or more absences, three or more suspensions. We know that once a student is exited from school, regardless of what it feels like on this side, is marginalizing and devastating for a lot of students and it's hard for them to rebound. We had 78 students who met the criteria when we ran our data. 78 is too many for a town like Champaign and for our expectations to be a great place to live. Out of those 78 students that were identified, 11 of them were siblings, which means we have we have some saturation in some of our households. And there are 67 unique families that are represented. A small enough number for us to be able to wrap around standing the gaps and support as they thrive and step forward and they show us who they really are. Next slide please. Next, we have a Rachel Joy who will talk to a little bit about staffing and organizational structure.
11: Thank you, Angela. The organizational structure and staffing for the initiative will be comprised of a trained credentialed staff with experience and cultural competency. The program director will be the leader that holds the vision and provides oversight for the entire initiative and supervision of the family services manager. The family services manager will do the day-to-day work managing and coordinating the delivery of services and provide direct guidance and supervision to the three family empowerment champions. The champions will be just that, helping to direct and provide immediate support to families, direct support, help them in navigating through barriers in systems and providing coaching as well as empowering families through that lens and working through needs as well as assisting and accomplishing and achieving goals. In addition, there will be a contractual trauma and behavioral health partner really to be identified to assist with individual and group therapy and also intensive support. That was something that was identified as a huge gap for families and Lyft will bring that all together and have that support directly in the initiative. And how the program and staff will actually do this will be through this single point of entry. Wrap around is really sort of the philosophy of the delivery of services that the staff will utilize when working with families holistically. The engagement will really include the single point of entry designed to lessen the overwhelming barriers that exist in systems, especially when attempting to access trauma-informed care, support, and access to achievement. In addition, staff will participate on a rotating schedule to staff a 24-hour hotline to assist families because, as we know, challenges don't end when the school day ends or during breaks, so this initiative is different because it will be 24 hours a day and staff will participate in that way with the hotline. At this time, I will turn it over to our newest team members. Dr. Rodney Hobson and Dr. Anthony Sullers to talk a little bit about the evaluation process.
12: Good evening. I'm Rodney Hobson, professor of education psychology and interim director of the Center for Culturally Responsive Evaluation and Assessment in the College of Education. We enter this partnership with thank yous to the University of Illinois Chancellor's Office, Office of Public Engagement, their kind support. Next slide, please. A little bit about CREA. Our mission is primarily to generate evidence for policymaking that is not only methodologically but also culturally and contextually defensible. We're an international community of scholars and practitioners. Some of our partners are listed there to the left. A resource for organizations and individuals and an an institutional mechanism to produce a body of informed practitioner, public scholarship, professional development opportunities, technical assistant resources, and advocacy. I'm gonna turn it over to Dr. Sellers to give more details about how we're approaching this partnership and effort.
13: Uh, hello, everyone. Um, again, my name is uh, Anthony Sellers, Jr. Uh, I come by way of the College of Education as well as the Department of African American Studies. Um, my role in this process uh, will get to s- is to serve as the lead evaluator for the program and um, in that, I wanted to just make sure that um, everyone was aware that our goal in this entire process is to offer an evaluation is, that is transparent and reputable, and it includes everyone in this process from top to bottom. Um, with that being said, our overall uh, role in this process is to help determine the quality and effectiveness of the Lift Champagne program in terms of reaching its goals by helping identifying program weaknesses and limitations, providing suggestions for future improvements, as well as ensuring sustainability and institutionalization of the program so that it can serve as a um, innovative model to help better support our African-American students in need. Um, in terms of this process, we plan to meet all stakeholders at all levels, including our students and including their families to help identify um, you know, what are the appropriate metrics in terms of Determining success and also figuring out what data sources exist and what data sources do we need to develop to help figure out what that success is. So um, we do look forward to uh, working with everyone. We appreciate being a part of this process and um, welcome any questions that you may have. And with that, I believe I pass it on to Mr. Orlando Thomas, unless I'm sorry.
14: Yeah. Good evening council members and thank you for an opportunity uh, to provide an update on this exciting initiative. Um, as we know, the physical location, um, is vastly important. Uh, we are looking for a location that is serves as a welcoming place for our families, a place that provides a level of confidentiality so that they feel safe and a place where we can host, uh, workshops and trainings for families. Uh, we have researched and looked at uh, several physical locations and should have that finalized within the next two weeks. And we'll share that with council and our community at large. Once that is finalized. Next slide, please. Our community is fortunate to have a city and school district that is willing to not only partner, but to allocate funding to support our most marginalized families and students. The city has allocated $250,000 and the district over $350,000. You see the five year projections show a 2.5% increase each year in regards to the budget. Next slide, please. The intergovernmental agreement um, has been created and reviewed Uh, by both legal counsel uh, from the city as well as the school district. As you heard earlier, uh, Unit 4 will serve as the lead agency, which means the employees will be employees of the school district. Both entities um, have collaborated on job descriptions, qualifications, as well as expectations. The administrative advisors will be appointed by the city manager and superintendent to serve in two capacities, One is to serve as direct support to the director regarding, um, initiatives. And the second will be to work in conjunction with the university of Illinois, serving as an accountability partner to make sure that the outlines and the metrics of the program are achieved. Next slide, please. As you take a look at the timeline, you see that we will be extremely busy um starting now uh until our program launch date in october of 2021 so we'll be working with lots of entities um, over the summer to identify the physical location uh, onboarding of the director continue to collaborate with crea to develop metrics outlining um, goals and uh, expectations regarding the initiative develop operational procedures and then onboarding of policy development, and then certainly uh, involving our community partners in this process as well. With that said, I'll turn it back over to Joan and Rachel.
9: Thanks, Orlando. Um, So council, we've presented to you the Lift Champagne program, but we would like to show a a short clip in closing that really encompasses the real essence of Lift Champagne recognizing that as a community, we all need each other. Thank you and we are now um, able to take technical questions
0: thank you to everyone who presented i'm going to ask you to shut down the powerpoint so i can see everybody thank you are there council technical questions councilmember gladney
3: thank you thanks for the presentation um so a few questions uh, i just want to confirm that i have the amount here right but what's the number of the st- the staff going to be is it five or is it going to be six with the extra person, or how many are we looking at?
9: Uh, Rachel, would you like to take that question, please?
11: Five and actually six is contractual. Okay. With the uh, behavioral health partner.
3: So. Do I understand correctly that the the champions the three champions are they going to be the ones that have the most direct involvement with uh, the youth and their families? Yes. Okay. And so there's going to be 78 youth that you're projecting will be part of the uh, part of this program at least in the initial year.
11: Yes, that's correct.
3: So how are they are Will the champions sort of be, uh, will they be assigned to a particular champion or will they, can any of the three champions work with any of the 78 individuals?
11: They'll be assigned champions because we Mm want to make sure that they're able to follow, get to know the families and work with them directly.
3: So we're looking at approximately 26 uh, youth per champion. Is that correct?
11: Yes, and then that would include the family, the entire family, yes, that's correct.
3: So um, you talked about the 24-hour hotline, which I think is is a great idea, but um, who will all five of these um, Lyft staff be kind of on call, so to speak, or can you just talk about the rotation of that or uh, who's going to be on call on that hotline?
11: Yeah, that's envisioned to be a rotating schedule where the family services manager, along with the three champions, would do that. So understanding that during just regular working hours or shifts, because um, staff will have different shifts. Mm -hmm. And so there will it won't just be the sort of burden of that, but then they would have a rotating schedule. And so that after hours time would include participating and answering the hotline and providing sort of direct services. So that may be the other part that we didn't discuss, as you mentioned, staff was also community partners. Uh, We will be engaging community partners so they may be up after the hotline is answered and there's some immediate need that community partner might be contacted to assist with that. So there will be those additional levels of support, but it will be a rotating schedule in order to ensure that it isn't just sort of overly burdensome for one particular staff member.
3: Understood. And then my last question is about the, the, you presented the four phases here you kind of broke those down. and again and I'm sorry if I missed this, but what are you envisioning as a time frame for the four phases? Uh, or will it vary by by you know the needs of the individual uh, youth and their family?
11: Katina, yeah. would you oh, go okay go ahead, Rachel? No, you can
9: go ahead, Joe. No, I was just gonna throw it to Katina. Hi, yes. Um, actually the the
1: the time frame will vary um, depending on the needs of the family um, as well as our progress collectively on their um, plans that are developed between um, our lift staff as well as the family. So it will vary by family.
3: Okay, thank you. Right. You're welcome.
0: Anyone else with technical questions? Council member Foreman.
8: I just want to clarify. So you don't envision the families like all 78 of these children are signing up at once. This might be in a rotating way where maybe you will have so many families at a time. Is that how I'm understanding that because I'm trying to match the amount of staff to kind of the intensive services.
1: Katina. Thank you um, for your question. I think in terms of um, staff caseloads, that's something we're still flushing out in terms of what that might look like. Um, But you make a very valid point in terms of the number of families um, and number of staff. And so we certainly want to um, be intentional about the assignments so that we can ensure that the families are getting the level of attention um, and an in, intensive wrap um, support um, that's needed. So, no, I think you know, starting off, we will keep a pulse on um, the number of families that sign on to work with us through Lyft and really um, assess what the caseloads are looking like and, and constantly evaluate the needs for staff.
8: And just one more clarifying point. So the intention is not to, you know, get a family at the start and that family continue to the end that family's plan may only take so long so some families will you know you'll be able to help some families and not everyone will be at the same time so for those intensive services in the way it's set up you believe you'll be able to, to keep up with that unless that need increases is that correct
1: yes
0: anyone else with technical questions Councilmember Kyle's.
15: I think uh, Clarissa's made a valid point as it pertains to uh, to caseload. I'm always thinking about resources, of course. Um, I know that this seems like a, a a lot of resources for the program to address this uh, um, this 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 huge need. Um, I guess this is not really a technical question, but I guess to make it a technical question. Do you see or envision yourself seeing more needing more resources to address this need? Because this this is a big deal. It's a great program, and we want to make sure that we start off the right way.
9: Uh, Yeah, so I'll take that, uh, Councilman Kyle. So, I mean, the truth is, um, if you remember, we uh, made adjustments to go with three criteria because if we went with four, um, there could be over 200 students. And so, as we've narrowed our focus, Um, to to get to the most vulnerable families, um, we're going with the three criteria. One of the things that we talked about as we were planning is recognizing, similar to what Council Member Foreman says, needs are varying. So there may be a family that has significant needs immediately and another family that perhaps their needs might not be as significant. And so one of the things that we talked about, even with the HR staff of the district is being able to kind of assess and monitor those needs to even see um, if those caseloads are doable. Um, and so that's kind of why we intentionally focused um, only serving the 67 families now as we're trying to get up and running, um, but but recognizing that other families will have needs as well. And so it's just sort of to what Katina says, we'll be monitoring that. Um, but the our primary focus will be on those uh, 67 families.
15: Uh, how can we as a um, community um wrap around lift. I know that this is primarily a partnership between staff and um, the city, but I think that I'm wondering how, a lot of times we have programs where the staff, the the, the partnerships are empowered to do um, um, the work that's assigned to them. How can we as a city wrap around this program?
9: Um, so as it relates to community collaborations, that's gonna be critical. Um, and that's a part of the proposal that we are working with um, some of the org- organizations that really are addressing needs organically um, and that are culturally responsive. We want to partner with those individuals. Um, I would say that um, a part of, and, and Katina could speak to this even more, but a part of it really is is, is utilizing family members and util- utilizing community partners and volunteers to really get involved um, hence the whole community approach. So it is designed to solicit help from community partners, um, and even within the budget, there is a line item to begin to use resources to, to help um, expand those that may not have the capacity but have the vision and have a foundation that we can actually bring them in and connect them to that. I don't know if anyone else on the team wants to to join in um, to answer that question. Please feel free to to chime in.
16: So yeah, Council Member Cowles, we've really factored in the whole community engagement, hence the wraparound approach. Uh, I think Joan said it perfectly around having resources for contracts. So, for example, we might want to pay for a kid to go to the Y for swimming, right, as part of his therapeutic need to assess something. But this will be a comprehensive, community-engaged initiative, and we're lining up community partners uh, many are in the audience today uh, learning about this project so important part of our
15: work. Thank you.
0: Other technical, Council Member Beck. I think when we first talked
17: about this project we and maybe you answered this today and I didn't see it or hear it. Um, and we talked about it being a voluntary a uh, program for families to participate in there would be no mandatory component. Is that being maintained um, or is there a, a, was there a different direction taken.
9: Um, that is correct. I'll throw it to the school district. I don't know if Angela um, wants to weigh in or Orlando, um, but no families will be mandated. Yeah, I
10: weigh in so um, yeah, we have those 67 families is what we started with. And as Joan um, spoke about, we, um, we really had to dial that back as we as we onboard. And so if a family is not willing to, of course, we want we one to on one give them time to think about, right? You know, relationships mean everything. And uh, we want to extend that opportunity. Uh, those, um, uh, th- those people that will be on the ground are really critical. When you, when you talk about the community leaning in, just, um, you know, continue to build trust. But if a family wants to forego that forego the opportunity, we will go to the next person in line. Um, and, um, you know, if if we have the capacity, we talked about the bandwidth. Um, I think Clarissa asked about, you know, the intensity of the needs that are already on, you know, that are already um, in front of us. But you know, we can't mandate a family go and be a part of the supports. I think a lot of families will though. You know, we've heard them talk about the need for additional supports. Um, but you might have one or two people it's going to take them time to come around or they may not you know it may not be for them and we respect that And i think
9: just to add to that um the importance of building trust um is something that's going to be built in at the onset um and so you know allowing families a chance to even understand um i think uh katina always talks about you know voices and choices making them a part of the process and that's going to be something that that will be critical um, because. We have to build trust, um, and and we have to be patient, and um, making sure that 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 families understand um, that we're in it with them, um, as well as as they know that that we have their back and that we're supportive. Um, so I think that's going to be very important.
17: And sort of a follow up question to that then is, uh, I noted the phases that you described, but is there any timeline for assistance for families, or is there sort of an end date? You know, or is it like a <laughs> Would this be like you have we we have six months worth of time for you, or a year's worth of time, or would there be? What, is there any sort of thought about that at all?
9: Okay, so we've thought about it. I, you know, I, I I told the team I would kind of facilitate since we're on Zoom, um, making sure that we're we're not all jumping in. But we we thought about that, and that is kind of where we've landed. Of course, we're evaluating and we're uh, assessing consistently, but families are important and circumstances changes and so we want to continue to engage with those families um, consistently we, we don't want to say okay you've been in for three weeks and you know you're we're done and, and you move on to the next program a part of what lift Champagne is is really bringing families together and and assisting them um, we want them to be resourceful we want them to navigate and, and understand what processes are but that takes time and we can't just meet um, and, and, and put a timeline on that, uh, because circumstances change um, quite often.
17: Will there be, and I'm assuming that there will be metrics then, not, not only based on individual families, but based on larger goals of the program itself?
9: Uh, yes, and I don't know if um, Dr. Hopson or Dr. Sellers would want to speak to that.
13: Uh, yes, absolutely. Um... Uh, we didn't go through the list, but as of right now, um, things that have been identified as potential metrics include test, test scores, grades, program activity and participation, attendance records, arrest records, uh, youth assessment referrals, as well as uh, discipline referrals, suspension and expulsions. But those are, we're not limited to that. Those are just what started listed as the start. Okay. All right.
17: Thank you. I think that's all my questions.
0: Thank you. Council Member Bricks.
18: Can you, in regards to capacity and with a 24 seven hotline, is it the 67 families that are identified that have access to that hotline? Or you could have people within the community that have access to that. And then what happens if there's a bigger need beyond the 67 families that are identified as they call into the hotline? How, how does that work exactly?
9: So originally, um, when we began the discussion, we recognized that a 24 hour hotline uh, is necessary um, for all youth um, who are in crisis. Um, some may not be a part of the 67 family. So the team has recognized that there may be some referrals that come in through the hotline. And so again, um, that is a part of assessing Um, I know that the team has been doing research, um, looking at SOPs from from other um, entities that have hotlines. That will be a part of a planning process, you know, if this program is approved to dive more into that. Um, But yes, some of the things that we've heard from families is if there was just a number that we could have called or our child could have called so that we could have gotten help, we know that that's going to be a very important part of, of this program. And so Um, To answer your question, yes, um, others could call in, um, and yes, it definitely would be available for um, the 67 families.
18: Okay, and then in regards to the different um, staffing roles, I noticed that a lot of the responsibilities seemed to be direct service. And so I think one of the things learned from um, the initial phases of Fresh Start was that the supports and things weren't necessarily in place. And so who is this something that then there's a committee of people doing. I know that the city has a ton of partnerships. I know that the school system does as well. But who who will focus on building those collaborations. So if a family needs a certain support that that support is provided and that everybody else knows about it and it becomes a working partnership.
9: I will uh, refer that question to um, the district. So either Katina or Angela, if you could weigh in, please.
10: Now I'll let Katina join me. So a lot of the initial onboarding will be about a needs assessment. So what we'll try to do is get ahead of what families need so that we can tailor some of those things. That's really the creative part of Lyft, that we're, we don't have this box um, cookie cutter approach to what hasn't been working, obviously, right? Because we're still, finding our students in the data. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hoping to find some unique things, some out of the box things that we haven't thought about because maybe it's the questions we have wrong, right? And so, um, you know, when you talk about what could the community do, when we reach out to those partners, what, what, what you can individually do is um, And if there, if there are partnerships that don't exist here, those are things that we would have to come back and be able to share with larger entities as to um, what it is we're missing within our school-wide community. And if there are outsourcing opportunities, of course, you know, we've done that. I know on this end, we've had other people reach out to us. And so um, like with workshops and other things that we've tapped into in other spaces. So we may have to be creative about that. But that needs assessment will drive and give us an alert to what is here and what's not here. But I'll let Katina uh, tag in.
1: Yeah, I fully agree with that, Angela. And um, also part of the community partnership in terms of identifying viable community resources that is a part of our summer work really um, identifying who those potential partners are, reaching doing the re- outreach um, piece to the potential partners and really really soliciting their support for um, for the, for the um, program. So that is a focus um, for the summer is to really um, identify and connect with um, viable community partners.
18: And so it would be a larger com- it would be a larger committee kind of working on those things, because if the others are focused on direct service to the families and we're already potentially concerned about capacity, who like who is, who is doing that community
1: connection piece? Katina, you're muted. <laughs> Sorry, um, that will largely um, be led by the program director who will um, take um, lead on that process, and certainly um, the program director will then also um, work collaboratively um, with other advisory committee uh, members to um, to do that piece.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: thank you. You're welcome.
0: Anyone else have questions? Councilmember Panfetti.
19: Thank you for the presentation. I just wanna make sure I have a point of clarification. Um, There are the 67 families that are uh, identified. And I think um, when Orlando showed the timeline in September, there was going to be the family needs assessment. um, And that would either be of the 67 families or a subset of those families. And then in listening to what um, Angela and Katina were saying, I'm trying to get a sense. I understand that there's this um, need to get a sense of community assets and and what might be available. But I'm wondering, given that the program wants to launch in October, um, why the family needs assessments, are happening in September and maybe not in August, or, or kind of like a, a like, what am I missing in terms of why September for a family needs assessment and not sooner if those families are already identified? Um, are you waiting to see what community assets might be there, or you know why aren't they going about simultaneously? So that's um, what, I'm sorry. No, that's that. That's my. I'm not sure if I phrased it in a question, but that's the thoughts that are going through my head. Uh, yeah. So I'll try to take that one. That's a great question.
9: And so, when putting the timeline together, um, we were a little conservative. We wanted to make sure that we built in enough time um, so that we create documents, the intake, standard operating procedures. We've talked to you know our legal departments as well as um, the CFO of the school district and there are going to be lots of things that we'll need to put in place quickly and with hopes that we can move this up um, depending on how fast that goes so if if things are in place and it looks great and we can start connecting with families by July then that's a win-win but if for some reason our um, documents are being reviewed as this is a new program and so there's legal review that you know not that it would slow up the process but there it could be a delay we just did not want to promise something and not be able to deliver immediately, but it's our intention that if we can move this a lot sooner and really start connecting with families and reaching out, we will do that.
0: Thank you. Anyone else? Councilmember
6: Member Stock. On the right side, I've waited so long that every question I had almost was answered except one. Um, one quick thing that I had, and I, I don't have a buy-in either way, but really more just curious. With uh, residency, residency kind of varies, and you know, families, particularly families in crisis, tend to move a lot. Um, Are we gonna keep servicing, um, providing services for students that they're not in Unit Four and the family moved to Urbana or the family moved to Rantoul or something like that?
11: Yes,
9: um,
6: great question.
9: And we've talked about this. uh, They have to be um, a, a resident of Champaign. Um, attending Champagne Unit 4 schools. Um, it's unfortunate because, you know, we know that they're in our community. Um, that's one of the things that we've talked about. And if for some reason they move um, out of town, um, then we won't. But it doesn't mean we'll just forget them. We will have, uh, transition them appropriately and help to identify resources if they're moving to a new community. But um, we are working with students who are living in the
0: Champaign community. Thank you. Deputy
5: Mayor Bruno. Following up on council member Stock's question about, uh, recipients of help who leave our community. Um, has there been any consideration of expanding this with, uh, into the city of Urbana and unit One Sixteen to at least, uh, have them adopt the exact same model and share proportionately in the resources to make this a program that exists simultaneously in both cities and in the two neighboring school districts?
9: Um, to answer your question, yes. Um, I don't know if anyone else from the team wants to weigh in um, on this, um, very similar to when we launched the Goal program. It was sort of the city of Champaign that took lead. Um, and then I know that the coalition, um, Tracy's on here. If you want to join in, Tracy, they worked with uh, the school district in Urbana, and they were able to get a program very similar to goal getters established. Um it is with hopes that we would be able to do the same. Um, their superintendent before she went to Urbana was a part of this initial conversation at the onset. Um, and so i'm I'm sure that that's something that Urbana and the school district, you know, might consider, I can't speak for them financially, but it might be something that they would consider. Tracy, if you want to add to that.
16: No, but I think we're going to be having conversations community wide and throughout the community. And so um, I was just going to add about Dr. Tatum being part of our initial planning team so that she is aware intimately of what we're we're building here.
1: And I do want to add that um, in the event that a family that's enrolled in Lyft um, starts, of course, as a Champaign student, if they do become displaced um, during the course of that school year um, in in go to Urbana or Rantoul, they still have a right to attend school in their their home school of residency per the McKinney-Vento Homeless um, Act. And so we would still support families if they're homeless and they end up in Urbana or Rantoul, they're still technically um, Champagne students for that school year.
0: Anyone else with technical questions? I just I I had one because I know that we 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 scaled back because of COVID, and now there is potential for money that at the time you're doing all the planning wasn't available. I'm assuming, maybe I shouldn't assume, but I guess my question is, is this scalable? I mean, if we start at this size and we decide to add the other criteria and include additional families because we have more funding available, is it something that can can grow over time to be a larger program?
9: Uh, Yes definitely
0: um
9: you know like i said at the beginning um it's unfortunate but we have a lot of families in need um and a part of our scale back um was due to financial reasons so yes
0: okay um so we're gonna go to the audience we do not have our five minute clock so i'm gonna set the timer on my phone i will let you know when you have one minute left and then 30 seconds left. Please raise your hand in the Zoom if you wish to talk. Um, State your name and city of residence and um, limit your comments to comments about Lyft.
5: I'm gonna turn the microphone on for Brian Dunn.
7: Hello, my name is Brian Dunn from Champaign. Um, I just wanted to start by saying that I'm just, you know, very happy that this is even a thing. And I'm glad that we're providing care for individuals and families. Um, But I do kind of feel weird about the language stating that it's the families and the individuals that need transformed. um, When I think it's our community that needs a transformation. So many factors from who goes to jail, to who has a vehicle, to who lives in a food desert falls along racial lines. The academic achievement gap as stated in the report attached to the agenda today, can be drawn along racial lines, independent of socioeconomic status. So we are dealing with racist systems that need to be viewed as such, viewed critically and changed radically until we can acknowledge, abolish, and transform our many racist systems, even outside of the school system, or putting band-aids on wounds that need sutures. We can keep patting ourselves on the back for budgeting one quarter of a million dollars to this program. But when the cops who disproportionately arrest and harm our young black community members get twenty eight million dollars, it really shows what our priorities as a community actually are. I've read articles in the News Gazette where it's apparent that some special cop task force spends their days stalking social media of young black men in our community, trying to catch them from selling drugs. Something that white kids do with near impunity in this town. What's the budget for that staff? Why are we so invested in harming our young black community? When will we transform ourselves into a community that values black lives and budgets like Black Lives Matter? Give them more money, okay? I'm sure you all read that report. There's a lot more than 60 something kids that need help in our community. Okay, and they need that help, not because they are black, but because they are black in a system that is built on white supremacy. And so we need to address that as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone else?
5: Madam Mayor, there are no other hands raised.
0: All right. Council comment. Councilmember Kyles.
15: I want to thank all those involved in lifting our youth to the next level. I think this is a really, really big deal. And um, and it's important to to note to say that because I know that a lot of work that has been going, gone into this process to make it where it is today, particularly when uh, at a time where people are cutting things out of the budget, uh, we're adding things and adding things significant, something that's significant. I think this is one of the many strategies that I know that will be important in addressing the tough issues in our community. Uh, To to this previous speaker from the participant, I think I, I wanted to address that this is one of the many strategies because all too often we look at one program and say this is the cure all when we should be looking at a comprehensive approach. But particularly to this program, this is a comprehensive approach that wraps around the family and that's critical. Creating the framework behind this is such a difficult task. And again, I wanna thank you all for rolling up your sleeves and consistently coming to the table even through difficult conversations. I also recognize that um, a lot of programs and we've been saying this over the years have been built around uh, attracting kids and not taking into consideration the neighborhoods that kids come from, the families that kids come that come from. And so I wanna applaud the fact that we're talking about a wraparound family approach as opposed to just another program that just specifically tries to target children, which has had some success, but not the type of success that we that we would would hope for. Uh, while I do expect great things from Lyft. I do want to encourage us to look at LIFT differently. This means looking at the responsibility of the healing and building of African American students as a role of everyone involved in that child's life. Uh, LIFT should be a platform that we use to uplift our most vulnerable. Too often we have programs that you know that that basically once it gets in, engraved in our head that this is the pro this is the go to program we start to overtask it we start to overburden it and then it's not able to do what it's designed to do um, because that's just the go to program and so I think that you know I'm starting to look at things differently and I would encourage us all to look at things differently in the sense that. This is a platform, and this, again, is one of our strategies used to uplift our most vulnerable, but it's not the only strategy, and it's not the only thing that we'll be using. Building trust is so important. I like the part when you, Deputy City Manager, Joan, that you you talked about that trust-building process, and you really talked about building trust and how much time and patience that takes, because a lot of times that's not taken into account. Building that trust really does take time, and most programs don't take it into an account. So I was thankful and glad that you started to talk about the time it takes. Building trust means time to gain trust, time to obtain trust, and time to sustain trust. And depending upon the level of trauma that a child and a family has been introduced to, or hearing gunshots at night, and that, and that thought process—what those things? Am I am I safe? You know those things that a child and a family go through. It takes time to to talk to a perfect. A uh, depending on how many programs you've been through, it will it may take time to to get through and be able to to really build that trust. So I was that was the part that I was out of everything that we talked about. I like the pro, the program because of what you said in those few moments. As council members, I know that it will be important for us to make sure that the resources are available to build the success of this program. Um, we already know that this is an initial, at least I know, and I think all of us are, are, are hinting around it, but we know that this is what it will take to get the program off the ground. But, um, even, uh, mayor, as you talked about potential resources coming to our, to our community. Uh, I'm looking at those, those potential resources as well to make sure that we have, you know, the adequate funding so that this great program could be the great program that, 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 that does what it's designed to do. And so, um, with that, um, thank you all for the work that's been put in and the work that, you know, we'll have to do as a community, whether we're, um, you know, um, paid or unpaid, I think that it's a big deal. And uh, I think it's important for us to, uh, to thank you for what you're doing and uh, thank the community for after, I believe this program will definitely pass, but the the work and the hard work that it'll take for us to, to, uh, to, to work on what um, council member Foreman played um, uh, right before the, this conversation.
0: Anyone else? comments, Councilman Foreman.
8: So something I want to say about this program that is really exciting because we've been talking about it for a while. The reason I'm really supportive of this program is because oftentimes we expect kids to be deprogrammed daily. And so to have unit four, which is the education, these kids are going in these buildings every day to be a part of this program is super important because we cannot expect these kids to be deprogrammed every day. We need to invest in the people that's around these kids so that We can uplift everybody and so something that is unique about this program is every other thing that we do in schools is for the child you never ask how's your little brother how's your sister how's your mom's boyfriend that lives with you how's your mom's sister that lives with you sometimes you have two families in one house that are being impacted by things and this is what that program does so i want us to be careful when we talk about metrics because what does success look like to your family It may not look like success to these families. So we have to be careful when we talk about those kind of things because, um, you know, those wins are going to be better attendance. That's going to be super important. Um, You know, but that's not everything. Sometimes just getting over the hurdle is okay for these families, and we need to be okay with that. And I really want everybody to focus on the fact that there is no way that you know all 70 all 62 67 families and 78 children are going to sign up the first day and the staff is going to be overloaded i definitely think it's going to take time the staff will build up and i think the community will support this but i think something that is missing that we need to talk about There is nothing for these children, these kids, these teenagers to do in this community. So, you know, connecting with the Y, connecting with the Park District, teaching these families to get scholarships or connecting them with scholarships to get these kids involved in things that they may not otherwise have access to is going to be super important and vital. The unit four has their own after school program. Get these kids, make sure those kids are signed up into the after school program. If you keep the kids busy, I think we all understand that. That is something, you know, we as a community can invest in. The park district is invested in giving out pool passes to those families, you know, you know, giving bus passes so these families can get to events. Those things may not, may not make a big difference to you guys or in your mind, but, you know, giving a, a family tickets to a hockey game, that's a family event that that family can go to together. That's family bonding. That's something most people don't realize, but a lot of these families that we're talking about are gonna be impacted by those things. So while they seem small, I want y'all to keep that in mind. Something else that is a really big deal that the Fresh Start program brought up that I feel like we need to make sure we address is that if people need identifications, birth certificates, that should be things that this program should help them with. And that was a big thing we heard as feedback that just basic things that people couldn't get access to you know, that's something that this program needs to, you know, make sure we're tying in with social security, make sure, these are things we can do locally. And you guys can pick up the phone to do that because Unifor has the staff that has the ability to do that. Whereas if the city had taken on the program, I don't know that it would have been the same. So I'm super I'm just super happy that this is happening, but I want everybody to be, you know, not invest too much in it, but to be supportive of this because this is so out of the box when it comes to supporting these families and, Going into these families, you have to understand that trust is not just, okay, well, you know, you know me. No, people have developed relationships with people who have called DCFS on them. That is a huge problem for a lot of the families that you're going to be talking to. And so, you know, when you have people in the district who call DCFS on families, that person cannot necessarily be involved with this program if you want that trust to be there. And I think that Unit 4 has to recognize that. Doctors all know what I'm talking about. Me and her talking enough as a parent in Unit 4 And I think that that's something that we as a community, when we talk about trust, you have to meet people where they are. And if their trust barriers don't necessarily meet where you think they should meet, that doesn't matter. That's not what is is the purpose of this program. And so I just, you know, I'm very thankful that this is happening and that you guys are moving this forward. Obviously, I would have put a million dollars towards it. I respect that y'all put, you know, y'all a little quarter of a million, but in the grand scheme of things, this program is going to set these families up for self-sufficiency, and that is something that I think, when you see a kid see that in their family, they repeat those things, and that's cycles that we want to put out into our community. And so, the city being involved, Unit Four being involved is super. It's just all good. And so, I can't I can't say anything but really good things about this program. But one more thing I want to say. The program director position seems to have a lot of weight on it as far as what we're putting on that person with the 24-hour hotline. So I want to be careful when we're talking about what those expectations are for that person and how we're going to do that job, that we be careful because in the Fresh Start program, we saw that someone left within a year. We, wanna, we want people who are going to stay and are going to maintain you know, that position. So let's not overload the program director you know, and if we are, those qualifications kind of, I think, need to be there. So that was one thing I did see that changed a little bit that I wasn't too keen about. But other than that, I really think you guys did a really good job. And shout out to the staff who really took the time to put this together and then make it work for the community for what we have. So very proud of staff. And thank you, Unit 4, for taking this on.
0: Thank you. I um Pastor Comer, I want to let you know that I see that your hand is up, but we are past the point in our meeting where we are taking public input on this matter, I I just want to make sure you're aware of that and that you understand that we're not ignoring you. Um, and any other council members with count comments? Council member Beck. Um, so I, from the very beginning, I've been
17: very excited about this program as we've talked about it um, and had lots of conversations about what it can look like and what it can evolve into and I think that it's gelled around a really nice um, a really nice uh, program that you know we can start with in the schools but I want to say that I, I want this to be the beginning of what we do um, I think that there's a lot of capacity for us to expand and to do more and that we should, um, take a look in six months to see what we have done and what we can do and what, um, and what the needs are that we need to fill still. Because I think that there's, there's going to be need that is unmet and that we will be able to, uh, to influence. And I think that there's going to be resources available to do that. Um, so to, to echo uh, some of the same concerns or same comments that were made, Um, You know, I'm really glad that this is a program that's going to be investing in families um, and looking at whole systems um, and not uh, in a punitive way that this is really a relationship building um, opportunity for the school district and for the city to participate in. Um, I think that, you know, having the, I I want to thank the school district for partnering with us on this. Uh, I think that as a city, as a whole community, we want to Um, provide opportunity to families to not only um, create, uh, you know, better attendance at schools and better outcomes grade-wise and all of those great great outcomes, but also help to create better pathways for families to self-sufficiency and to better opportunity for whole families to um, live better lives in our community. So I think that, uh, you know, comments earlier that were made about you know, looking at systems, you know that's what our job is, is to really look at and examine systems that are um, damaging families. And I think that if we can help to influence those systems and change them, um, breaking down barriers to families, for families, um, you know, that's some of the most important work that we can do as a council. And I think that this is a beginning to that. Um, I want us to continue to move forward and, continue to create more opportunities like this. Um, I think that one of the big things that we're gonna need to make sure of in this particular program is that our metrics need to make sure that we are uh, individualizing metrics according to families. So families need to have an opportunity to participate in their own goal setting and their own trajectory and what it is that they deem to be what, it, uh, what their, most, um, their most needed items are. Uh, w- what they need from, from us and helping them to connect people with the things that, that are needed. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential there be with the three people that will be the navigators uh, and the typical caseload for people who know that sort of thing, um, or you know, 20 to 25 people, 20 to 25 uh, uh, individuals is pretty typical for a caseload for a, a case manager. Um, but if you want to do intensive wraparound services, if you can get that number down, that's always good. So if, we, if there's any way for us to continue to staff it up in a more intensive fashion, I'm all for that. I'm all for reducing the number of, of um, individuals per, uh, per navigator, because I think that's really um, an important element is being able to provide direct service that's going to be um, available to families and, and, and not overloading people with, uh, with uh, you know, members that with individuals on, in, their, in their, um, their load. So I think that's a really important piece. I also think that this is a great avenue for us to start to talk about how we're going to get policing out of schools. I think that we can start to do that by building programs where we won't need to have police in schools where we're going to be providing other opportunities for engagement with families to get families the resources that they need. And that's not gonna have to be done through policing. So I think that this is an important element of that. And I hope that we can continue to grow those opportunities. I'm looking forward to seeing this and I can't wait to have um, a report in, I'm hoping six months from, uh, from all of you and about the successes that are already happening. I'm sure that we'll have some Learning along the way, there always is. Um, particularly when you're trying to start something from scratch, there's always opportunity to learn. And um, and hopefully this will be something that we'll be able to teach other people and other communities. Um, and then we can be an example for how you can actually wrap your arms around uh, a community and and really look to um, address. Uh, issues at a systemic level and, um, and, and, and not from a punitive fashion, but really from a relationship building fashion, which is what I think that this is absolutely going to do. So thank you very much for your presentation today and thank you for bringing this to us. I know there's been a lot of passion behind it, a lot of time and energy, many meetings, lots of, lots of meetings. So I really appreciate all the time and energy that's been put into this and thank you very much.
5: Anyone else? Council Member Bruno. I wanted to express my wholehearted support for this uh, proposal and for this program. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to try not to be redundant by uh, echoing everything that's been said before me, but I wanted to personally thank uh, Joan Walls for um, her innovation, her ideas leading this championing this cause. I know she didn't do it alone. Uh, There are many others that she brought in with her, but uh, I wanted to thank all of those who put in their time and effort and hard work and their ideas to try to get us to this point. Certainly as a society, we have many grave problems and there is not going to be a panacea. Every little bit helps this is a step in the right direction. And I want to thank Joan Walls, particularly, but the entire team of people at the city and the community and Unit 4 who have helped on this project. Thanks.
19: Council Member I, too, am um, in support of this and wanted to extend my thanks to um, city staff and Unit 4. Um, who did not um, let this uh, just fall by the wayside, especially under the challenging circumstances that we had this past year, um, but instead found a way to keep this uh, moving forward. Um, In particular, I am um, pleased to see that CREA is on board um, to help do the evaluation for this. While I am um, respectful of the comments of Council Member Beck, um, I am less concerned maybe of seeing something in six months, um, but wanting to see that CREA is um, doing their innovation of what might be um, complementary towards an innovative program like this. um, I, I feel like by putting a timeline of wanting something within Six months, uh, you know, there may be information that would be, um, you know, within three months or within nine months that would help us. Um, And and so, I I I would be more inclined to see what comes out of an evaluation proposal and um, is driven by the innovation that. Council Member Bruno talked about that uh, Deputy Assistant Manager Walls helped to vision in this um, and as opposed to setting an earmark of, um, you know, six months for any sort of reporting. Um, though, though, understandably, I understand the need for wanting that, you know, some consistency in, in hearing back that I do agree with. Um, But um, I I am um, familiar with the work that CREA does and and understand. Um, For me, um, I am am pleased um, to know that they will be on board and working in partnership and in concert with um, Unit 4 and with the um, city itself. Um, I am also particularly um, excited in some ways to... uh, think about this in terms of community engagement and hearing um, uh, Tracy Parsons talk about you know reaching out as may be necessary. and, and also Katina about um, if there are needs within the community that part of how we as a council and as members of the community could help um, is to help to talk to people within the communities, if there's a need for something at the why, or in other areas, or as um, council member Foreman suggested, if there are things that opportunities that are needed within the community that we could start um, putting those engagement opportunities together, um, this is something that will help bring us together and and lift us all together. Um, So I am really grateful that um, this was not let go and that um, you know there were some very strong people behind this that that still sat at the table even when it might have looked like there was not money or may not have been resources so i am i'm grateful to you and respectful of you and of your thinking and of the work that you and your um, colleagues all did so thank you for in, in, in including our comments throughout this process because it was evident that um, those were reflected in what was presented here today. So, thank you,
6: Council Member Stock. Thank you. Um, I don't want to reiterate a whole lot of what people have said because I've agreed with with a pretty good majority of it. Um, the one I would, I did want to kind of highlight, though. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the team on both sides of the table, which is really one table. Uh, but I want to thank all of you for your hard work, and as Councilmember P and said, not giving up and fighting it fighting through some tough times to get to this point so i appreciate um all of you on both from uniform and from the city staff as well to keep um going on this and coming up with such an innovative idea uh the one thing i did want to echo of something that uh, councilmember kyle said at the beginning is the one fear that i might have is that the program become overburdened with these are the three things we're going to work on except it becomes six things because we find six needs or it becomes eight things or whatever so that that maybe you know we we try to keep that sort of innovative mindset exhausting though i'm sure it is uh to maybe eventually have a spin-off program if we're seeing needs that can't be met through this program that we think about another program or trying to create another program that might create that might involve more community needs or might involve more community involvement uh just to keep this and to council member foreman's point about overburdening staff um, i know she mentioned the program director specifically but just in general and that um, there's sort of an open mindedness to to maybe not just expand this program but maybe even to create another program or more programs to deal with needs that we see as we go through this process. But um, bottom line is though, thank you so much for your innovation and hard work. I think that um, I think it's really well done and I look forward to reading about it in the news that. Council Member Gladney.
3: Thank you. Um, I wanna thank everybody who's been involved with this and, uh, and for your hard work, particularly Deputy City Manager Walls, whose um, passion and dedication on this has been energizing uh, to say the least. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, and thank you to, again, everyone else. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much new to say under the sun compared to what's already been mentioned. Um, I do wanna just mention my, my my support for this. Uh, it's been a long time coming Uh, I you know I do have concerns I guess if I do have any kind of concerns it's about uh, the potential workload for the staff that's going to be involved on this Um, I I don't want to see anyone you know burned out Um, but you know it'll it kind of remains to be seen I mean it was talked about today about how you know not maybe not all you know it was 78 individuals or 67 families. Maybe they don't all want to participate in this, or maybe they won't all participate at once. Um, we'll just have to see, um, you know, there's not been a lot of talk about trust building and you know, that that takes time. And also, you know, if, if somebody does decide to leave or gets burned out and you bring in new staff that obviously you have to start rebuilding trust um, along the way, um, but that aside, I don't want to actually dwell too much on any kind of concerns, because at this point, you know, I just want to see this thing kind of get lift off the ground, right? I want to see it get going. Um, and I'm really excited about it. And one thing I'm excited about is, is it's fairly positive, right? And it, and it lacks judgment. Um, now, I know the criteria that has been placed for, you know, selecting participants, that obviously kind of is negative because of for obvious reasons, but yeah, when I was reading through the agenda and then listening to the presentation tonight, it struck me how, you know, this, this, the positive vibe that this has and how, um, I I think that that's, that's great. I think that's what people need. I think, I think most human beings want to do good. Um, sometimes they just may need help. I think we all need help, right? Uh, none of us get through this alone. So, um, I, 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 it sounds like this program is, is all about that. Which makes me um, happy, and this is just this is just the the beginning, and it's going to evolve. Uh, And most successful endeavors um, start out small, comparatively, and then you know uh, what I hope to see is down the road um, this this grow um, and expand and um, serve the the needs of, of of folks. In whatever capacity is necessary and then my ultimate hope is that at some point uh this is no longer needed um that might be a little too pollyannish but I, that's my that's my that's my what i see as the ultimate goal is that we get to a point where um yeah this is this is something that was needed at one point and then no longer is but we'll we'll get to that at, at a later date but anyway thank you all for for your work and, and for the work that's to come and uh whatever we can do to support this along the way, um, you know, I think you have our support.
0: Councilmember Member Briggs.
18: I also want to thank everyone that's been involved in this process from the very beginning and those who have come along um, on the journey as it's continued to evolve. From where we actually started and we had the initial discussions to now is so promising and it's something um, exciting for our community, and you know, I appreciate the the wraparound and including the children and families. I think that's important, and I um, I also like the idea too of the twenty four seven hotline because you're right. I mean, it doesn't stop at the end of the school day, and what happens over the course of the summer, and just having resources available and a way for people to be able to reach out in a moment of need is really important. Um, So I'm glad to have that support definitely in place. Um, I also, even though I know that the needs there and we wanna try to help as many people as possible, I also think it's smart to start smaller and to figure out ways to scale up and figure out exactly what the needs are and what the process is. And I get that it's different for every family, um, but I definitely wanna make sure that we've at least got some good supports in place. And I appreciate the comments about needing to have those flexible um, things in place so that there's room for innovation. And so I definitely think that's important. And then the evaluation piece too, I appreciated the comments um, where it was like, it's great that you can look at the grades and the progress that students are making graduation rates and discipline, but also um, is it meeting the needs of the family? Because at the end of the day, that's kind of what this program is, is chartered to do. So thank you all so much for your efforts so far and um, look forward to having this as part of our community. Thank you. Council Member Beck.
17: Yeah, I just wanted to circle back around because I think that um, I, I didn't I want, didn't want uh, Council Member Pianfetti to misunderstand my comments. I when I uh, said that I was hoping to hear back in some time frame of like six months, something like that. I'm actually not asking for a full evaluation. What I'm trying to do is um, encourage staff to come back to us with additional needs. So not an evaluation of the program, but more of a, hey, we've been doing this for six months. Now we realize we really need X resource to provide to families or we need Y resource to provide to families because we're seeing great need in those areas. And I anticipate that there will be funds funding available from federal entities that will help us to provide those funds to, um, to families. So I would like for us to direct funds to that if we can. So what I'm talking about is more of an opportunity for us to look at what's available and how we can um, make those those services more robust. So I just wanted to clarify that so that you were going away with the feeling that I wanted to have this full evaluation in six months. I would never expect that, so
0: just to clarify. Thank you, anyone else? I also wanna thank staff for their committed hard work. I wanna thank staff and particularly unit four for their honest evaluation of need in our community and assessment of the current issues in the schools and in the community. Um, I think this wouldn't be possible if we weren't honest about what the need is and being able to talk about um, the deficits that we have right now is a starting place to begin making that change, so I appreciate that honesty. I too um, am really excited um, that CREA is joining. Um, I think that is a great addition to the program and something that is different from the last time that we had the presentation. But along with um, thanking staff, I think it's worth thanking council and reminding everybody that in 2019, when we looked at this program, we actually suggested that we spend more money. The original ask to us, I think was the 250,000 and we all said, that's not enough money, we need more money. And then what happened was COVID. And for a while during the budget in the COVID era, it looked as though we were going to have to cut the entire program we were doing VSIPs with staff, we were cutting budgets and council stood firm and said, we may have to cut other things, but it's really important that this program stay. And so I am appreciative of the work that staff has done, but I also want to acknowledge the direction that council provided that this remained an important priority. It is, um, in my opinion, underfunded, but we do have to ramp up and begin. And this allows us to get started um, and to then figure out funding as we go forward. If we start really with the first you know, families in October, our new budget will be you know, not really more than about five or six months away. And we can evaluate again and we will have a much better feel for where we are post COVID and what we're allowed to spend any federal funding that we receive on. So I'm excited to get started and I'm very appreciative of the work that staff has done. So our alternatives are to direct staff to continue working with Champaign Unit 4 school district to finalize the LIFT Champagne program based on council feedback and to place the intergovernmental agreement on a regular meeting agenda for consideration and adoption. And before I pull it, I do want to also thank the unit 4 school board who has continued to support this as well. And they will, um, that board will now be, have this in front of them at their next meeting. So um, we're appreciative of them. So, Councilmember Member Kiles? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Panfatti? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Stock? Yes. And I am a yes. Everybody has direction. Thank you for your work. And I need... Um, a motion to adjourn.
6: Madam Mayor, I move that we adjourn. Second.
0: Will the clerk please call the roll?
2: Councilmember member Stock? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Bruna? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Kyles? Yes. P and Fetty? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. We are adjourned. See you next week.